Thank you for listening to the following films podcast. Today, my guest is Christopher Allender, the writer and director behind the new film, The Old Ways. The film is about Christina, a journalist of Mexican origin who travels to her ancestral home in Veracruz to investigate a story of sorcery and healing. There, she is kidnapped by a group of locals who claim she's the devil incarnated. The Old Ways is currently available on digital, DVD, and Blu-ray. Hope you enjoy the show. Thanks. I'm good, man. How about yourself? Yeah, I get my microphone here. Man, you got you have all the stuff lined out there for you. You're, <laughs> you're, you're old hat at this. Oh yeah, yeah. How are you doing? Good, good. Uh, how's how have you been? How are you how are you holding up over the last uh, 18, 20 months? <laughs> Not bad. Yeah, we've got you know spent the first half doing post on this movie, so that was. That was uh, fun, I guess, um, comparably. Um, yeah, just, you know, trying to keep moving forward while the world moves at a molasses <laughs> speed. Yeah, I think any time we can throw ourselves into distractions right now, it's a, it's a welcome thing. And so throwing yourself into post-production on a film, um, what a great time to do that. Uh, because one of the first things that I noticed about your film, The Old Ways, was the pacing of it. It's how you deliver information in the film. It's an incredibly deliberate movie in a way that I don't feel like there's really an ounce of fat on this thing. There's nothing that feels like it's extraneous at all or self-indulgent, which is surprising for a film of this genre. That's cool. Yeah, we, um, I think first cut was shaping up to be about over two hours long. Mm. So we... um, we we had to start deleting things <laughs> without uh, mercy. So thanks for noticing that. Yeah, but we uh, just got brutal and uh, just deleted everything that wasn't super germane to the story and um, just tried to make it as fast as we could because it is a you know a, a uh, kind of a single location kind of thing. So we wanted to um, not overstay our welcome, <laughs> if that makes any sense. Yeah, it makes perfect sense because that's one of the the magic tricks of the film, that it's um, a confined space, but it still feels like it has scope. It feels, you can feel the world outside of this room. You can feel that pressure from it where it is limited storytelling, but it does feel expansive in a way, if that makes that's, sense. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, that was a lot of effort went into trying to make the other side of those walls feel like it was there, you know. Um, even though it was just a warehouse on the other side. So. <laughs> well, it, it does feel authentic. And um, does your history as an editor, your background in editing, that has to help you, I, I assume, with being, as you put it, merciless with the uh, footage that you have. Because when I've made things, I, I tend to falling in love with certain moments that <laughs> I can't let go of. And I don't know that they're necessarily in service of the story. Yeah, you know, editing for sure. Um, I've produced quite a few movies now, and um, I've done a, I feel like at least three or four movies with first-time directors. So I've seen like what it's like to be like, hey, let's shorten this up or let's get rid of that. And they're like, no, it's my baby. So I tried not to like be, I don't know. I tried to see everything from the kind of audience perspective as much as I could and not 
fall in love. I mean, there's like in the DVD, um, we've got a bunch of deleted scenes and there's like a whole, there's a whole horror scene in there. That's just, we delete it, you know, and it's a cool scene, but it wasn't, it's actually some of the coolest, some of our <laughs> coolest looking footage. Um, so it was hard to do, but it was kind of like, kind of felt tacked on and we were like, well, it doesn't belong. So we had to, had to make it go, but it's on the, it's on the disc. So you can see it. it's a fun scene. It's just like, well, is this, just moving it forward any um because another thing like we've, we've made a lot of movies where we got to the editing room and we're like oh man we don't have enough in here <laughs> for a whole movie um so we kind of threw everything in the kitchen sink and everything um while we were filming and then we got into the edit bay and we're like oh we got we got a movie here for sure so <laughs> let's just like let's just get rid of it all i mean and marcos who wrote it um he and i have been making movies together since we were teenagers and um we're really good at just like being critical uh with each other and um without any hard feeling you know it's just like this sucks and i'm not saying you suck <laughs> this part sucks so let's get rid of it um yeah. so we're we're real good at handing it back and forth and matt the editor you know he would cut and cut and, and then Marcus and, and he he would always try to be like as faithful as he could to the script and Marcus and I are like no <laughs> who, who cares like let's just make a movie uh, oh yeah with what, with what we've got so it um yeah it was it was um but also you know I I do have a background in editing and and trailers and all that kind of commercials and stuff like that so doing it fast <laughs> telling a story fast is kind of in my bloodstream now I guess and um i was able to just kind of like grab cuts from the editor and just experiment um kind of you know with with that with abandon because i wasn't really wasting time you know normally i'd just be sitting in the room with the editor but because of covid we weren't so i was like well just just send me what you got and i'll noodle with it and and then i'd send it to marcos and he'd noodle with it and we'd send it back to matt and he'd make it good and um so it was a bit of that but so that was kind of a, an advantage of of not being able to be in the room with the editor, I ended up just doing a lot of VFX and kind of like creative editing or just experimental editing, I guess you would say on the side that didn't really hamper the um, tempo of our uh, schedule or anything like that. That's kind of an interesting idea because you're essentially letting somebody write a whole song or they write the whole guitar riff and you're not interrupting them to change the, uh, yeah chord progression you let them finish their thought and then you can come in and say well what about this and kind of make those tweaks and when you're sitting in the editing room it's more of a continual back and forth but you get to actually complete things before which could yeah. be um i would assume if you ego's getting in the way disheartening for when work gets tossed out but um <laughs> could be a very fulfilling i think and satisfying process also yeah you know i mean there are takeaways that i would do in the future uh, assuming we don't have these types of, of restrictions. Um, you know, I, there were times where being together would have saved a day every time, you know, cause I would be like, Hey, what about this idea? And, and then, you know, we'd be on zoom like this and then he'd go off and try to do it. And he'd do his best to make my idea work and only to realize that it wasn't going to work. Uh, but he'd make it as presentable as he could. And if I had been in the room, in five seconds when he started clicking on i'd just be like no forget it that was dumb move on um so those times it's kind of like i think I, in the future i'd probably stay out of the room 
as much as possible in that kind of first cut phase, you know, and then come in with fresh eyes and experimenting and stuff like that, be in the room and then maybe give them some space again and um, kind of more back and forth instead of just like hovering <laughs> over his shoulder <laughs> for four months straight. Um, and I'm sure he'd appreciate that. And then to kind of go to the complete opposite end of this process when you're starting this, um, taking on an exorcism film. Um, it's a crowded subgenre space that's difficult yeah. to make an impression in. Um, you're stacking the deck against yourself because you can't make a film without one of the greats being compared immediately in every single review and every single audience's eyes, they're going to stack it up against this thing. Um, and I, I couldn't imagine doing that. It's like, you know, remaking the shining, you know, whenever, yeah. every, anytime you're doing like, if you're doing a hotel haunted house, you know, you're going to have that. If you're doing an exorcism movie, they're going to think about the exorcist. Um, is that what led you to take the cultural difference here in the approach as well as the um, thematic elements with the metaphor that's yeah. at the center of the film? Yeah, well, um, Marcos, who wrote it, he's, he is, um, he's from Puerto Rico. Um, so this was um, inspired, I mean, very loosely, but definitely inspired by stories that his mom had told him. And, um, you know, the thing that... Um, because I so obviously when we were first starting to write it, I thought just the cultural POV I thought was pretty cool um, and different. But um, the the thing that really got me that made me feel like this was going to be different than The Exorcist or The Conjuring or any of those types of movies um, was that it was from the point of view of the um, possessed, um, mm -hmm. which typically it's like the mom has a daughter and the daughter's possessed and you don't really get to know the daughter. You only know the like demon version of her and the mom calls the, the, the Vatican or something and they send in a, you know, yeah. a rogue priest. And um, so just like flipping all that and being in the, in the mindset or, you know, from the point of view of the person who is supposedly possessed, I thought was really fresh. And I, I mean, maybe someone's done it. I'm sure they have, but none come to mind. And um I thought that was really interesting. And then obviously stripping away as much of the Catholicism and, and things like that, that we're used to um, from exorcism movies, I thought made it feel fresh too. So that I think like a normal audience member, who's not like super savvy with film history or like into stuff like that. I, I don't even think that that it like registers to them as like, this is an exorcism film. I think it's just like, there's some witches and there's a demon, you know? So yeah. Um, I think that's the hope at least that it's like a fresh enough stance that you're not even like, unless you're like a film scholar, you're not really like comparing too much. Um, and then whenever we got to anything in the movie where it's like, Oh, this, this is a kind of scene that would start in the exorcist or the exorcist or any of those. Let's just zig where they zagged and let's just try to do the opposite and let's, let's just freshen it up at every step and and there were certain things like i mean there was this there was supposed to be a scene like there's this this um procedure called called ice scraping i think it's really gross um <laughs> and you can find a lot of videos on youtube if you want to no I, I never want to see that yeah. i'm good man. it's so gross and we like researched um it was going to be a good scene and um but we were looking i was like how can we do this cool and different and, and visually interesting and we would find 
he found like super cuts of every like eye trauma scene in every horror movie and that was gross but he would watch it and i was like i just don't know i can't add anything to that like these are all great and disgusting and um <laughs> so we just got rid of it we just didn't shoot it at all and and kind of rewrote the script but um yeah we were always aware of of those comparisons but hoping that i don't know you know and every year it happens a lot with movies like I'll think that I don't care about um, found footage movies anymore. And then next year, someone comes out with one that's awesome. And you're like, then, then Ty you do West that? comes along and fucks it yeah. all up. And you go, oh, well, yeah, of course. I love this. Yeah. I, yeah. So it's just like, I think there's always room for another shark movie. Um, <laughs> but, um, yeah. you know, I'm not going to be the one to do it, try to do another shark movie. But yeah, also, I think if I, like, I didn't grow up obsessed with the exorcist or anything like that i think if it were like so in my blood it would be really hard to deviate because it would be like my film language you know so there are movies i couldn't i wouldn't be able to you know do because i just all my instincts would be exactly the same as the original so <laughs> well it's it's funny that you bring up eye trauma that is my i'm a genre guy i've seen horrible disgusting things since i was way too young and that's my achilles that's the thing that will always mess me up you know whether it's zombie with the splinter coming through or i mean anything like that it's just i i can't handle it mm -hmm. and man that that I, I would never want to see anything real but if it's on film I, i'm always excited by it just because it's <laughs> something that i know will unnerve me and that doesn't happen very often anymore but um I think the the idea of a comparison, though, um, it it doesn't really matter because that goes out the window immediately. I think when you're watching this, even if you have that preconceived notion of what this movie should be, um, you immediately let go of it because you firmly set your ground for this film. And then once you find out what, and then I honestly don't want to give anything away about what's revealed in the movie or even what the metaphor is in the film, because the way you deliver it, I think that it's so smart and it's not, I, I just wouldn't want to ruin that for somebody because I went in pretty blind into this film and I actually really loved that, um, the way this tied together and not only the, it's because you have an unreliable narrator at mm -hmm. the center of it because of this trauma that she's dealing with that makes this such an interesting film because you're able to think, is this something that's actually happening? Is this in her head? But it's not a split personality kind of situation. It's something that feels very organic, if that makes sense while being yeah. Yeah, <laughs> ambiguous. Oops, I, that's great. Yeah, there's a lot of, um, you know, horror, horror films are fun because you can really um, mess around with metaphors like in a more literal way and get away with it, which like if it were just a straight drama, people would be like, this is an after school special. This is terrible. But I think um, you've got so much like extreme stuff, like distracting the audience um, that you can then start slipping in some fun, you know, social metaphors and cultural metaphors and all kinds of stuff like that, that um, I think audiences are, they're also kind of off their guard because they're experiencing one, you know, if they're into it and they're scared, then they've got that kind of like vulnerability i get like your guard's not up as much so you can kind of slide in with like today's episode of the following pulps podcast is brought to you by bookman's the last time i went into bookman's i went in with my normal 
just going to walk around the store, see if anything grabs my eye. Um, normally I'll end up starting with a couple movies, going through the vinyl, some books, and the process usually takes about 30 minutes, sometimes an hour, depending on how much uh, time it takes me to find something that I'm interested in that day. Uh, this last trip to Bookman's, I was in there for about two minutes, because as soon as I walked in the door, went over to the Blu-ray section, started with the Criterion stuff, and there was a copy of Stanley Kubrick's Barry Lyndon, uh, which is not only one of my favorite Kubrick films, it's one of my favorite films of all time. Uh, for some reason, I just haven't picked it up on Blu-ray yet, the Criterion release of it I had. The DVD, I have the Laserdisc, and I think I still have a VHS, double VHS, floating around somewhere of this thing. And it's an incredible movie. If you haven't seen it, it's one of the movies that I think is often forgotten for how funny it is. Um, when people think of this movie, they talk about the lighting, they talk about the look of the film, because Kubrick shot this movie uh, with all natural lighting and candlelights. Uh, candlelight, rather, for the interior shots. And he ended up having to use NASA lenses um, for parts of the film to actually be able to shoot at a speed um, where he would be able to pick up the imagery with the limited amount of light that was being provided by candlelight. So um, obviously it was a technical marvel, but this is a really fucking funny movie. This is uh, one of those rare movies that has actually gotten funnier with time. Comedy is one of those things that, for the most part, I don't think it does well with time. Comedy doesn't age well. Comedy um, is something that normally, when the magic trick has been revealed, it can maybe be revisited a handful of times, but uh, for the most part, they wear out their welcome. If you've gone back to try to rewatch The Hangover any time in the last, I don't know, five years or so, I think that's a perfect example of something that just does not stand <laughs> the test of time very well. But Barry Lyndon is kind of the opposite of that, where this is a film that has actually, for me personally, gotten funnier as I've aged, as the film has aged, as I go back and revisit this at different times in my life. I pick up on different things, focus on different things. It reminds me of the way that I can go back and reread Breakfast of Champions once every two or three years. There's always going to be something new that I find in that particular book that just amuses me differently as I age, as my perspective grows. And Barry Lyndon is very similar in that way. If you haven't seen the film or uh, something you haven't seen lately, I definitely recommend checking that one out. And I want to thank Bookman's for having that one in stock. So remember, Bookman's, they have your cool covered. Enjoy the rest of the show. Thanks. Some like thoughts about stuff and they don't get like they don't think you're preaching to them <laughs> or anything yeah, so. exactly the films never they can be as overt as possible but if you put it in genre it for whatever reason it doesn't feel like a soapbox ever if you took the thematic elements of something like midsummer and you mm -hmm. tried to make a drama out of that with that that would be Pro probably unwatchable even if you do agree with the overall message of the film you'd be like jesus christ i, I don't want to sit through this but mm -hmm. you just even though it's overt the message there it's you digest it easy it, it goes oh. down smoother it, it's easier to take it in you it the soapbox is right in front of you but you don't yeah. notice it it's the magic trick I, think, I guess i think it feels a lot you know i guess it's like feels like a 
fairy tale or something you know just especially like the the really disturbing first <laughs> like the, you know like what was it cinderella or what, what's the one where like everybody's in the real version like everybody's eyes get gouged out at the end by birds and stuff like most of the original like the Grimm's fairy tale yeah version if it was Grimm's or if it was who um hans christian anderson or somebody one of you know one of those guys just they all got real dark like real dark Cinder- uh, i hadn't heard that about cinderella that's fantastic i hope that's one, the case it's either that or sleeping beauty one of the like big ones like at the end everybody's like some sort of birds or crows come down and gouge their eyes out and they left that out of the disney version for sure but. well i think that, that that's a uh you could revisit that then i, I think that that's an opening i know to, i might to, have just got to reclaim it an idea yeah, let's, <laughs> let's just do it um so can you talk a little bit about the casting of the film because really um it's hugely important and when you have limited storytelling when you have small confined space that you're um even if you are a effects-heavy genre film, um, if the performances don't work here, your film absolutely won't work because you're asking her to do some uh, yeah. pretty banana shit, and she pulls it off really well. Yeah, Bridget um, Bridget Callie Canales, who ended up being cast in the role of Christina, the lead. Um, she oh, man, that that role was super hard to cast, and and I didn't think it would be. I was like ah this, there's a you know thousands of latina actresses in that age range in los angeles that will come <laughs> audition it's going to be great and um it turned out as we started to see people perform that we started to realize how kind of multi-dimensional the character was um i mean we knew, thought that she was but you know you start seeing it and you're like well this person is nailing like this facet and this scene and this angle of her and here and this and then you get to this other scene and you're like i don't buy it anymore and it was like that time and time again we'd find a lot of like people that we almost hired because we're like they're really great i mean they're just not good at this i'm just not buying this one thing but maybe we'll figure it out and then we all vote on it and eventually we were like it's got to be unanimous so we kept going back to the well and back and back and back we pushed the production a few times um in fact, we almost we thought we might have to cancel it because we just couldn't like keep the crew on hold any longer. And oh wow! Um, and then uh, Bridget came in. I don't know. If she, she must have been like shooting something else or something like that. So she wasn't around for kind of the first few rounds of, of casting calls or whatever it was. And she came in in the eleventh hour and, and blew us all away. And and she had everything. You know, she's super like physically tough and like like a fitness expert you know what i mean like she's because yeah. the, the role is like very demanding um just from a like bodily motion standpoint and then but she could be like vulnerable and she could be tough and she could be you know kind of damaged and and all these things um that the role required and um it was just so exciting to find it all in one actress and um the only downside is like we were shooting like five days later so we didn't have any time to get to know each other or rehearse or any of that wow. so we just had to hit the ground running and and develop a you know a, a language as we went and um worked out great but it was funny I, I mean i didn't even know her as a person until probably the end of filming because she was so kind of 
and I think she surprised herself, but she, she ended up being very method um, in her approach. So she was very dark <laughs> and serious <laughs> the whole time. And then near the end of production, I started, I'm like, oh, she's like goofy and she's like a hippie. I mean, she's, I mean, I don't know if you call it a hippie, but like, you know, she's always like God and light and, and happiness and be your inner this and that. And it's yeah. like, who, it, this is not... <laughs> The person that I met uh, at all, and um, it was just really funny to like as she started, either you know getting more confidence or whatever it was from the weeks of shooting. But eventually, she was kind of able to like, you know, live her normal life. I think um, instead of just being Christina for a month straight. But it was uh, it was awesome to to find her because she's so, so committed and um, and so many times in the movie like we there's a lot of like extreme stuff like the goat milk scene at the beginning. And, and we had, we had like devised all these contraptions and stuff so that it could be like as un uncomfortable as possible for her and, and as safe as possible. And then she'd be like, you know, we rigged the whole jug so that it could like kind of like those baby bottles, like the toys where it looks like it's pouring the milk, but it's not. Um, She didn't want, she's just like get rid of that we'll just do it we'll just do it for real we'll do two takes and let's just do it and see what happens and we're like are you sure you do that but she's like yeah it'll look real and i won't have to pretend like she didn't like <laughs> pretending that she was uncomfortable you know like she was like just yeah. make me uncomfortable uh i'll tell you if it's too much but i'm tough so uh or like we she'd be tied up and we'd have like velcro they'd be they look like they were tied but you could like just velcro out of them right she's like no get rid of that i want to i just I want to fight. I don't want to like pretend like I'm tugging against the wall. I want to just like tug it and I'll tell you if I'm, you know, if I've got a problem, I'll let you know. <laughs> uh, so time and time again, she had, she would just take the hard way, but you know, it just helped her concentrate on the performance and not pretend like she was doing this or doing that. So it, yeah, it was great. It's like an unnecessary barrier that's mm -hmm. up for actors sometimes, you know, it's when you have to, carry the fake bag of groceries across the room and it could blow away in the wind because it's so light. There's something where you're yeah. compensating for it and you're focused on things that you shouldn't be focused on, I think. Yeah, it's just a lot easier to say, try to get free instead of try to pretend like you can't get free, but try to get, free. you know, that's two things versus, you know, just one <laughs> thing. Um, yeah. And the less, you know, the less they have to think about, the more just kind of present they can be in, um, in the scene. and. You know, and we we went through all these, jumped through all these hoops to make the 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 set was like it was 360 degrees, and you know everything felt real. And then you know to to blow it by just pretending that a rope is real, you know, would kind of yeah <laughs> probably have hurt the movie. But so you know, thankfully she was always pushing for that honesty <laughs> as much as she and could. Is it just me? Am I the only one that's interpreting this this way? but it feels like there's some comedy beats in here that I really oh, wish yeah. I was watching this with a, in a theater. Cause I think this would play not to the same level as, but they're you're in the same neighborhood as, you know, maybe not evil dead part two, but you're definitely yes. playing around in some of that area. Yeah. I mean, that's a huge Marcus and I in particular, like, cause he was a real horror like kid, you know, and I was into certain stuff more than like the sci-fi and fantasy mm -hmm. and, and, certain horror so like there are certain areas where like our loves like overlapped and <laughs> sam raimi was definitely one of those um so there is yeah there's 
I've only gotten to see it in the theater three times now, um, which was rough because I didn't get to like test any of this stuff before it was like done, done, you know, but thankfully yeah. I think it mostly worked out. And yeah, there's, there's a couple of jokes in there that play pretty well uh, with an audience. And I was excited about that because some of them are like pretty dry and they're the kind of joke that like, it's not like punchline set up joke, you know, it's yeah. like a joke that if you laugh at it, it means you care about the characters or you've like suffered through their plight yep. with them. Um, like, especially that there's a line at the end when she's talking to AJ Bowen's character. Um, and it gets a huge laugh every time. I'm like, thank God, I, because it's like, it's real dry. Uh, that guy's but... fantastic though, but he's hilarious. He's a wonderful, wonderful. I, he can make things funny that have no business being funny. I always yeah. enjoy him. He's got a, Sorry. there's a shot. Yeah. There's a shot of him where, where she tells him he has a demon or whatever and um he it's like a 10 second shot of his face and like the the six react the, the the six thoughts that go through his head while you're watching it you are so clear as day um <laughs> and it's all in his eyes and his face and he's just he's just great um he's a fun because he is a, he's a great actor but he's got that like i'm trying to think of who it's like you know like i mean like a harrison fordish thing or something where it's got that like he's committed and he's he's in this like weird scenario but he's able to inject this um sense of humor without breaking the fourth wall it's 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 really good and it's he's always a, very I, very small and yeah so and he's he'll, the, he'll go big every now and then on set and he's always goofing <laughs> around so it's you know it was a little weird because bridget was so serious and he's like you know you say cut and he's like making jokes and stuff <laughs> i was like she's gonna kill him <laughs> but well, he's um yeah I, yeah I assume that he would be I, I interviewed him um, a couple months ago for a film that he did and we got to talking about novelizations of horror films and he hmm. pulled his off of his shelf Jaws for the Revenge the novelization and I <laughs> went out and spent way too much money on that book to read it because I had to see what he was talking about and get this idea of this Haitian priest and why that shows up in this adaptation and. Hmm. Yeah, if anybody can give that, I would imagine that he's just a fun guy to spend time with. Yeah, he's 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 an interesting dude. We I've made a lot of movies with him, and he comes. We came from this like gang of Atlantans <laughs> that moved out west. Um, so he's in the kind of in the family, the filmmaking family there. So um, we actually originally wrote this thinking like, oh, you know, AJ would be in this movie and and he's a big like horror star. So yeah, we wrote the role actually for him, the lead uh, in our first draft. And then we got to the end and we're like, oh, it needs to be a girl. So <laughs> we rewrote the whole thing and like, hey, we've got a two day role for you now, not a uh, month long role. But he, uh, he was always game to, you know, he's the only person, like, everything else is so hard, you know, going through all these agents and casting and he's, I can text him and be like, be free let's go <laughs> he's like yeah just tell my agent that i said yes okay so outstanding and um what is, this is one of those rare films though with that that it doesn't veer kind of talking about the comedic side of it so much into the comedy that it takes away from the emotional impact of it because i think this still works um it's scary 
it's it's like actually emotionally impactful and it's funny at times where you're kind of playing around with all three of these genres at the same time and they all effectively work is that something that was really lined out in the script side of things or was that something that was you fat you had was that part of that editing process like dialing it back or yeah opening up? no well yeah there was definitely like calibrating in, in post for sure um and there's some new jokes that you know like there's a part where she talks to the rooster and he just like crowed that we took out of contact i mean he did he didn't do that in the scene but or exactly at that moment but we cut that in and it was hilarious and we're like are we gonna get away with this that's kind of a rooster joke but um it always because it was always on our back of our mind like okay one day we're gonna probably have to delete that right but every time we showed it to like a friend or something they liked it so we kept it um but other than that there was there was actually a few more jokes in there probably that marcus had written but there's also a lot of stuff like his his personality really came out in like a lot of the scene description um some funny stuff that i or like awesome like just cool stuff that was just in scene description that was like just for the read and i would be like man it's a shame that no one like this is one of my favorite parts of the script this one part I, this will be a spoiler if i say it but the big line she has you know when during the showdown with the demon and that was um that was just scene description and i was like man we got to get this into the movie like you got to find a way to have her say this line because it's i just love it every time i read it and um we put it in there and we tried it in Spanish and we tried it in like a Spanglish and then we actually even recorded it a few different ways on set but um we did one take in English and and that one that one stuck because I was like I don't want people reading this joke <laughs> you know or whatever not really a joke but like a like I said not, none of them are like that big of joke jokes but um I do you know in comparison to you know snakes being ripped out of their stomach few minutes earlier like they definitely play on the lighter side and give you a chance to get a breather and um so yeah i that that was all in there and and you know it got dialed in and out a little bit here and there throughout the post process process but or sometimes bridget would just be like i can i just you know whatever it was like some huge thing like i can't just throw out a you know bruce campbell one-liner here so <laughs> Well, but um, you get you get parts of her performance that um, that emulate that that are in that like almost Three Stooges level absurdity with how big physically it goes, and I think that it, it's spiritually there, perhaps, but it's not to that degree. And I mean, this is this is one of those rare films that my my wife hates horror comedy. She hates it. Um, you know, anything like with rare exceptions. And so this is one that actually satisfied her. And so you could have people that do appreciate something that's just flat out scary. That's what they're looking for. They'll get what they kind of came for, for this one. But then somebody who do somebody that does appreciate something a little bit lighter, but um, I think it has that crossover appeal um, probably goes far enough that um, I, I wouldn't sit down and watch this with my mom necessarily, but this is one that I think like uh, this will find kind of that wider audience and you have your, I was glad to see the physical release was out because that's something that I definitely appreciate more than a thumbnail. Um, it's accessible. So anybody can watch it on Netflix if they want to right now, but it's something yeah. that also the idea of having the movie sitting there and I walk past it every time I'm looking for something. And so it's always in the back of my mind gives it permanence that I think mm -hmm. the thumbnail doesn't, if the algorithm yeah. isn't putting that thumbnail there all the time, if that makes sense. 
Yeah. I mean, if you like if you like the movie and you like filmmaking, we we the DVD and the Blu-ray are pretty cool. Um, yeah. We made uh, the editor and I put together a feature length um, documentary about the movie that's on there. Um, we did a, a full commentary track as well. There's I think about almost 30 minutes of deleted and extended scenes. There's um, some cool storyboard because we had some uh, really good storyboard artists helping us. So we did a, we did some comparisons of that. And there's like this alternate ending that we couldn't afford to shoot but we'd boarded it so we kind of edited that together with sound effects and audio and stuff like that so it's a bunch of little goodies on there because i do know you know if you can get it for free like what's the point for some people other than nostalgia um so we wanted to make it you know worth worth the expense um so there's definitely that and then we're also doing a, a vinyl release of the score because ben who did the it's a great scores, score by the way Thank you. Yeah, he's amazing. So that's coming out. Um, I think it's for sale now already, but there's COVID's crazy, man. It's made everything. There's shortages of everything. There's shortages of yeah. vinyl. <laughs> so it, I think it's shipping soon, but it was one of the, it, everybody had the same um, hipster hobby that we picked up. So it's pretty common <laughs> now. Um, I'm guilty of it too. I started buying a lot more vinyl over the last two years than I had been. So yeah, it's, we all kind of fell into these patterns. What are the, things that give us comfort and that was definitely one of them so mm -hmm. um do you, so the vinyl release is something that will be just amazon or record um, stores what's let the me, uh let me google that it's at um burning witches um uh records they're out of um london or england um they have it let me see if it's on their site right now there it is. Yeah. So if you go to burningwitchesrecords.com, it's there. Um, you can buy it directly from them. Looks like it's 22 pounds. Um, but the artwork is insane on it. They, they hired this really talented um, illustrator, painter guy that it's, it's, it's pretty badass. Like the, the back of it has the, the bruja with like a flaming heart in her hand. It's really beautiful. I'm going to get one just for framing. Uh, yeah. Cool. It's, the the records there's uh, i mean i i know there's something to be said for the sound quality and those things but i really just think it's the tactile experience kind of like owning blu-rays and dvds and even a handful of laser discs that i still have floating around mm -hmm. that it's just that it, that holding something and putting it on that means a lot to me and the fact that you take care to make the packaging worth someone's wild other than just being able to hold it in your hand i think is that's fantastic because a lot of times the releases feel um, arbitrary to some degree. Yeah. They, they don't. They don't feel intentional. They don't feel like they're thought out. So fans yeah, like guys, me appreciate that. They did a great job with it. It looks really cool. Um, and the and the vinyl itself is going to be this like kind of semi translucent red kind of bloody nice. kind of thing. That's going to be pretty dope. Excited cool. about that. Awesome. Well, uh, thank you so much for taking the time to do this. I really love the film. I highly recommend it to anybody that would listen to my show. I think they'd be on board for it, that this is the kind of film, if they haven't seen it already, they need to definitely check it out. Um, yeah, it's a great one. And the, the whole time I liked your film enough that I didn't dive into iron giant questions um, looking behind you. Oh, which you is, yeah. I mean, it's blurred, but I, you would, yeah. I, I know the silhouette well enough yeah. to know that particular yeah. poster. Yeah. So, that's the one that was drawn by, uh, uh, 
actually drawn by the director. Um, I mean, not I don't have the copy that he drew, but he he drew that artwork himself, and it's um. I don't know. I don't know if I was drinking. I don't know. It was for sale once on some site as like a limited edition on on metal. You know, it was printed on metal, and I was like, "That's cool." So I got uh, it. I think I did it. I, it's good. Yeah, yeah. I think it. I don't know. I think I even forgot that I ordered it, and then it showed up. I was like, "What is this?" Like, oh, this is great. Um, you know, I ended up with a uh, the lament box, the Hellraiser box for the. Uh, mm same way drinking and then just, <laughs> that i needed the puzzle box for some reason and there you go now it sits on my desk at home so some nope. some of the drunk purchases aren't so bad some of them are okay my wife <laughs> might funny. disagree but they always do yes um that's cool well, i really appreciate you taking the time as well thanks for thanks for spreading the word that's exciting yeah of course anything i could do i mean that's that's why i do this it's uh films like yours uh that uh this is one of those ones that I think people will talk about this movie. They have talked about it. The reception to it has been incredible. You've had tons of positive feedback on it. So I think that's just going to continue because this is the kind of film there's the need for. We need more movies like this. So thank you. It's the season, man. Halloween. Check it out. It's good. Yeah. Halloween. Absolutely. If you're looking for something spooky, but even you go past that, this is one of those ones that in my house, we could watch this on Christmas day. But you know right. we're we have, we have issues. So. <laughs> do it, do it. That's great. Awesome. Thank That's you so cool. much, Chris. Yeah, appreciate it. Cheers. All right, take care, man. Bye.